We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a few super chats and some questions here that I'm going to get to before we get out of here. We do it. We'll start things off with a super chat from Will Falk. He says, thanks so much for the media analysis, Brian. Super helpful to get it from someone like you working in the industry. You are quite welcome. Will, very, very much. Andrew Gilmore, the comments says, Notre Dame should not panic and give Freeman a ridiculous extension. If he leaves, he leaves. They could easily go easily get Luke Fickle, I think. I'm going to say uh, two things about what you said. And then I'll bring up another comment that you had, Andrew. And, and here's what I'll say. Does Has Marcus Freeman done anything that should warrant a big, giant, Charlie Weiss, Mel Tucker type of extension? No, he has not. Has he shown enough to where if there's a lot of interest in him, you need to step up and make sure that he's taken care of and his staff and his team is taken care of? Yeah, I do think he's shown enough for that because he is coveted and, and and you don't want to go through another coaching search. You don't want to have to like, here's the thing, Alabama, possibly Michigan, whoever take those two jobs, those things are going to open up. There's a lot of big time jobs that are available right now that, which means some big time coaches are getting scooped up that you're probably not going to then be able to go get if Marcus Freeman left in a year from now. And, and so, yeah, you need, you do need to do what it takes to keep him, but the reality is, is you don't need to give him a ridiculous extension because he hasn't done the things that it's going to allow him to warrant that. Like, hey, I want $10 million a year. Okay, well, no one else is going to pay $10 million a year. And they're not. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But does that mean you don't give him a, a good extension? You do, because what extensions can do, they do two things. Number one is, hey, look, he's signed extension. He's committed to here, blah, 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 blah. That's all good. But what if you're also smart, if a guy is coveted, there's another reason that you want to sign an extension that's going to you know give him more money and give more to his because an extension to Marcus Freeman now would mean you're giving more money to the coaching pool, the staff pool, and all those other kind of things, right? It would be it would be more of that than necessarily him getting a huge, you know, pay raise. But what you also should do on on your end as the school is to say we're going to get a bigger buyout. I think one thing that Pete Dammel reported yesterday is is what he heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but what he heard is that the the buyout for Marcus Freeman's a little over $4 million. 
that's actually a pretty good size buyout. So if you're going to say, hey, Coach Freeman, we're going to commit to you. Uh, We're committed to you. We're going to give you, you know, an extension. We're going to give you a pay raise. We're going to commit more resources to to your staff, to the off-field operation, all these type of things that you've been asking for. We're going to commit to all that. Then what you're also doing is getting yourself a much bigger buyout. So that way, if for some reason he does leave, you've got a big buyout pool that you're getting from the, the school or the NFL team that hires him. And now you have a lot more money if you need to go buy out somebody else and commit to that. So I think there's a lot of merit to that, uh, to, to making that kind of move. That doesn't mean that you need to to go out and spend, you know, $50 million over three years to sign him. I think that's a bit ridiculous, but that's not what we're talking about. Now, the second part of what you said, you said they could easily get Luke Fickle. Then you went and said Pitt, Fickle picked wrong with Wisconsin. It's tough to win there, especially going forward, but he can coach. You can't dismiss it what he said, what he what he did at Cincinnati, but I digress. I, I got a – and you had a last note on Fickle. He picked such a bad time to jump to Wisconsin. If he could have stayed on and kept winning at a high level at Cincinnati, he could have been in contention for Bama, A&M, and maybe Michigan. Andrew, I think you have a very, very um, – slanted not say slanted i don't think that's the right word it's more of a i just think it's an error i don't think luke fickle is a guy like listen let me tell you something if people thought luke fickle was a good coach they'd still go after him this year a&m would have gone after him Uh, michigan would go still go after him if he was that good of a coach being at wisconsin and and even in as a year where you went seven and six or whatever it was that's not all of a sudden going to make people not think you're a good football coach. We've seen that before. We've seen guys go to a place, not have a very good record, but he was highly thought of, and so he gets a better job. We, we've seen it before. The reality is, is, is I, I, saying the whole, you know, don't pay Freeman because if he leaves, you can go get Luke Fickle. To me, buddy, that is a huge downgrade because let me, let me tell you something that's a, that's a flat-out fact. Luke Fickle is a solid football coach. He's a solid – position coach he was a solid coordinator he's a solid head football coach well that solid football coach had two pretty heck of a really great years at Cincinnati he did I'm gonna try and take away from that but let's not kid ourselves and forget the fact that the coaches that were primarily responsible almost exclusively responsible and the people for building the roster that let Luke Fickle lead that team are all at Notre Dame now Marcus Freeman was a dog as a recruiter at Cincinnati, was considered one of the best D coordinators in the business at Cincinnati, which is why he came to Notre Dame and why he's now the head football coach. Mike Denbrock did a phenomenal job as the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati and as a recruiter, and that got him to LSU, which got him back to Notre Dame. Chad Bowden was doing for Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati what he's been doing for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, which is recruiting his butt off, and, and he's not just a – Guy that like we see Chad, right? Y'all see Chad, and there's some people at Notre Dame to me that have a very misguided view of Chad because Chad knows how to play the game. You know, the you think of the the jukebox and you think of the dancing and the CIA skit when kids visit and all that stuff. And Chad puts on that persona of you know, fun, likable, goofy entertainer. You see the clip of him talking about wanting to get Marcus Freeman to jump out of a helicopter or something on a parachute for a recruit, and you see that part of Chad, and you're like that guy's a great recruiter. He's a showman and all this kind of stuff. But what a lot of you don't realize about Chad is Chad is also a great evaluator. And a lot of these guys that these coaches have gone after at certain positions were guys that Chad Bowden went and found. 
Nobody on the Notre Dame staff knew who Brandon Hillman was last year till Chad Bowden went and found him. And I could go down this long list of players that the guy that was like, we need to go after that guy is Chad Bowden. And that's the kind of faith that Marcus Freeman and a lot of the coaches have in Chad. Hey, man, go find me some players and then I'll help you land them. You know, and, and, and the, there's certain coaches that have more say on it, on who they get and who they want and things like that. Like Chad Bowden wasn't going to tell Harry Heastan to recruit, nor did he try. Uh, but a lot of these things, is it, it's a, he's a great evaluator. He played a big role in, in this talent that they brought in in Cincinnati. Mike Mickens played a big role in the talent that they brought into Cincinnati uh, under Luke Fickle. Now, he came to Notre Dame, you know, obviously earlier than Marcus Freeman did, but only by a year. It's not like he was gone that long. And so, to me, when I look at Mike Mickens and I look at Chad Bowden and I look at Mike Denbrock, and, of course, I look at at uh, Marcus Freeman, and you realize, like, dude, the, the people that, that recruited that roster – are all at Notre Dame now. And I think they deserve more of the credit for the the, the ultimate high level success that Luke Fickle had than, than he does, meaning like he's a good football coach. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but his ceiling was raised because of the people he had doing the town acquisition for him. I don't think he's a great recruiter. He's a solid, he's a good recruiter. Luke Fickle's a good football coach, but he's not what people made him out to be because of a Cincinnati run, because I think that was fueled in large part by the work that other people did. Now, kudos to him for putting together that staff. He hired all those guys. Props to him for doing that. But as he showed at Wisconsin so far, I don't think he's been able to replicate that type of assistant coach reproduction that he had when he made all those good hires. So, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. I'm not that high on Luke Fickle. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a good coach. He does some things that I like, but he is not a Notre Dame guy. It's I feel a lot about like I felt about Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's a good football coach at that level. Luke Fickle's a good football coach at the levels he's been at. He's not a Notre Dame guy. And the guys that I think did the recruiting to build those rosters up are at Notre Dame, which is something we should all kind of be excited about. And so I just um, – you and I just have a disagreement on how good Luke Fickle is. I think you do need to do what it takes to keep Marcus Freeman. Understanding that the situation, like, because I know your fear, Andrew. Oh, I think I do. You're, you know, recently looking at Mel Tucker, but you're probably thinking about the Charlie Weiss situation. Well, here's the difference. When Charlie Weiss signed his big contract, it's because his agent was able to play up the whole NFL aspect of it. Marcus Freeman doesn't have that. He's not someone who's going to, who has four Super Bowl rings as an offensive coordinator that's going to have NFL teams calling him. It's just not the reality. So he couldn't demand as much as Mar- as Charlie Weiss did. So it's 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 a little bit of a different situation, in my opinion, than where we are now. But I also think you can't deny the things that Marcus Freeman has changed about the Notre Dame program. That also has a lot of value that has not manifested itself in wins and losses yet, but that will. And I think Notre Dame is smart enough to know that. And so that if if Marcus Freeman goes to them and says, "Hey, I need an extension." I do think you have that conversation. I just don't know if that's the conversation Marcus Freeman's worried about right now. I think the things Marcus Freeman, and this goes back to my first segment, I think the things that Marcus Freeman is fighting for right now are more about, I don't care about my, I'm I'm making good, I mean, look, guys, $5 million, $5 million plus in northern Indiana, even in this economy where things are more expensive and values of this and all that are going up, He's that's a lot of flipping money. He's doing well. Even with six kids, he's doing pretty well. What Marcus Freeman is fighting for right now, from everything I've been told, 
is I want more for my assistants. I want a bigger support staff. I want this facility upgrade. I want that facility upgrade. I want this part of the program invested in more. I want that part of the program invested in more. Those are the battles Marcus Freeman is fighting right now. I want help with the with the portal. And I didn't mention this when I was talking earlier, but like one of the benefits, like one of the big things about the portal is you look at Riley Leonard and Bo Collins, those guys are not early graduates. They're they're not. So that that getting those guys who aren't graduates yet is huge. That means the school's working with them to some degree. And and so those are the things that Marcus Freeman's fighting for right now. Not, hey, let me take advantage of this rumor that's about going out about, you know, Alabama and me and use that to try to get, you know, $4 million a year and an extension from Notre Dame. I, I think there's merit to Notre Dame seeking out an extension with Marcus Freeman right now. I think there's merit to that. I just don't know if there's a need for it right now because I don't think that he's looking. I don't think there's the need to keep him there. I don't think his agents, you know, hold no name or the coals for all these teams that are talking to him. I think what they're, what they're fighting for now is more about, yeah, of course, Marcus Freeman's not going to turn down a pay raise, but he's fighting for all the other stuff that he knows has to get better because paying him two, three more million dollars extra a year doesn't make the football program any better. It doesn't make the, the weight room better. It doesn't make the locker room better. It doesn't make the nutrition program better. It doesn't make the recruiting staff bigger. It doesn't make the support staff bigger. It doesn't mean he can hire more analysts. It doesn't mean he can pay Mike Mickens to stay. It doesn't mean he can pay Al Golden to stay. It doesn't mean he can go hire Mike Denbrock. It doesn't mean he can all these type of things. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. Those are the things he's fighting for right now. Not that. But I think it would be it would be smart for Notre Dame to, if, if they needed to get to that point in time, it would be smart for them to actually do it. Because I do believe that going from him to Luke Fickle would be a big step down. It's not a coincidence they went to Wisconsin and got exposed a little bit. It's not a it's not a coincidence. And that would be a big step down for me. A very big step down for me. Maybe he's better at certain parts of running a program just because he has the experience, but that's going to be gone real quick. But the ability to acquire talent is not going to be anywhere close to what this current staff has done and will continue to do as they upgrade with guys like Mike Dembrock and Mike Brown. That's going to be huge. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Nicholas Grosh asks, how many current Alabama players were offered by Notre Dame? Should Notre Dame pursue any of these current players? I mean, there's a lot of guys for Alabama that have been offered by Notre Dame. I mean, that's that, – that's, I mean, you just look at the 2023 class. I mean, there's obviously a, a, an important guy like Keon Keeley and still wish that – I still wish he would have been a guy that um, would have come to Notre Dame. I, I do. And, and yeah, we all – look, I've had the same hope and thought as you guys – Hey, Nick Saban's leaving, you know, and and uh, maybe get Keon Keeley, but I don't think there's going to be the mass exodus that people think there's going to be from Alabama. There's going to be some kids that you know Ryan Williams already decommitted, and and there'll be some guys that jump in the portal, but I don't think you're going to have this thing that that that's going to necessarily happen. I hope it does. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of hope it does, but when I mean, you talk about guys that 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 Notre Dame recruited that were offered that Bama got that were offered by by Notre Dame, I mean just. Looking at the 2023 class, the guys that are current freshmen, uh, you know, because again, those guys are going to be in a different situation than uh, than Notre Dame. Obviously, Justice Haynes, the running back, was offered by Notre Dame. Richard Young was offered by Notre Dame and visited. Jalen Hale was offered by Notre Dame. Never really seriously considered him. Caden Proctor was offered by Notre Dame. They weren't going to get him. Hunter Osborne was offered by Notre Dame. Keon Keeley, Caleb Downs, Tony Mitchell. So those are eight guys. Those eight guys. I mean, the only ones that if they jumped in the portal, like Notre Dame would kind of have any interest slash shot at would be Keon and Caleb Downs would really be it. Those would really be the only two guys that would be at all options if they jumped in the portal. And I just I don't see that happening right now. I don't have any evidence of it. I don't have any rumblings. I'm not I'm not mentioning Keon, you know, as like I know he's jumping in the portal, but I can't say it yet. So I'm not saying anything to you guys. I'm not saying that at all. I've heard nothing from Keon or anybody else around him about him jumping in the portal. I'm just telling you that that's my, that's a pipe dream that I wish would happen. 2019 Elijah Brown, but he's already transferred Tyler Booker. I doubt he goes anywhere. Sean Murphy was offered Earl little. He's already transferred Jake Pope. He's already transferred. I would have no interest in him. Emmanuel Henderson. No, that's not going anywhere. Kendrick law. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. Ty Simpson hard pass on that one. So, I mean, you look at the last few classes. Now the interesting one would be, Obviously, the 2024 class, because those guys haven't signed yet, but there's not a lot of those either. Caleb Oden at tight end is not a guy that Notre Dame was really hard on. Jay Sean Ross, they liked him. Very talented player. That wasn't going to be a fit. Sterling Dixon, no. Caden Jones, linebacker, no. Zabian Brown, no, you're kind of good at corner. He's a good player. Jalen Abakwe, that kid's still going to go to Bama, in my opinion. Zay Mincy, they offered. He's, he was never come to Notre Dame. Peyton Woodyard. I don't think so. I don't see that one. I think if he were to leave, he'd probably go to, you know, Georgia or USC or something like that, Ohio State, something like that, not Notre Dame. And then Julian Sand. Again, you don't have a need for Julian Sand because you got a better quarterback than Julian Sand in the class. So I don't know that there'd be a lot of guys that would be jumping to the portal and coming to Notre Dame. Uh, so I know it'll happen if some of these guys do jump in. You're going to see people getting fired up about it, but you know, it's kind of I'll believe it when I see it type of type of situation but it'd be nice it'd be really really nice so we shall see all right irish canson no one offers what notre dame does to recruit the same thing was true about alabama though in a different way what impact does this have going forward i I talked a little bit about that i mean alabama you know there's certain things that we don't know I know that bama is not going to be as good over the course of a 10-year period under whoever replaces nick saban is as Nick Saban was. Nick Saban was a phenomenal coach. I mean, we, we let, let's just not act like, well, he he got to Notre Dame and all of a sudden, you know, or he got to Alabama and all of a sudden, that's when he started winning. This guy won a title at LSU. 
You know, this is a guy that that had built up Michigan State to be a pretty darn good football team. This is a guy that won at Toledo. This is a guy that won, you know, he was a part of a Cleveland Browns team that went to the playoffs under Bill Belichick. I mean, this is a guy that was a great coach before he showed up at Alabama. You know, so you're not going to replace him with somebody like that that was on his level. Does that mean that – is that going to change Notre Dame's – you know, success on the recruiting trail. If if he would have left a year ago, could Notre Dame have maybe gotten Keon Keeley? Maybe. For all we know, Keon would have gone to Ohio State or Georgia or somebody, Florida or somebody like that, for all we know. I, I don't know. I don't know what Keon would have done. Maybe they would have still got Keon Keeley. I, I don't, I, but I don't think for the most part, like if, if Richard Young didn't pick Bama, he wasn't picking Notre Dame. If Justice Haynes didn't pick Bama, he wasn't picking Notre Dame. If Jalen Hale didn't pick Bama, he wasn't picking Notre Dame. So I don't know how much it'll change, but here's the deal. You just got to beat Bama for one or two guys a year that you normally are losing to them for, and all of a sudden the game has changed. If you only beat them for Caleb Downs or Keon Keeley last year, you know, that's pretty good. Like if Caleb Downs didn't pick Alabama last year, I think he probably picks Ohio State, maybe picks Georgia, uh, but probably Ohio State. I don't think he still don't think he picks Notre Dame. I think his family wanted him to pick Notre Dame, but I don't think Caleb really liked like Notre Dame. He liked Notre Dame, but not to the degree that he liked the other teams that had a more proven track record. Now, if he jumped in the portal now, could that change based on what Notre Dame has done with you know Kyle, what Kyle Hamilton has become, what Alohi Gilman's on the NFL, what Z- Xavier Watts did this year? Maybe, but I don't know that that would necessarily be enough for him to come Notre Dame. So I don't know how much this is going to impact Notre Dame. I think it's going to be more like, you know, LSU might beat them for a kid or two more. Georgia might beat them for a kid or two more. Texas, Ohio State, Tennessee. You know, I think everybody could kind of start picking the carcass a little bit. I don't know that this is going to be like a, a, a tidal wave of kids coming to Notre Dame now that were otherwise going to Alabama. I, I don't know that that's not necessarily um, – that's necessarily where things are going to go. I, I just – I don't I don't quite see it turning into that. But I'll say this, though – Irish, I really hope I'm wrong. Really hope that I'm wrong, and that this this does in fact open up a a, a a tidal wave of kids coming to Notre Dame. You know that that's basically what it took. So what what would if it if it that happened, it would be phenomenal. But it would take Nick Saban leaving for that to happen. Got a few super chats. Got one from Charlie Weiss's last bell loop. Thank you, my man. Why would anyone want Fickle at Notre Dame? He can't recruit, and he's a weirdo. The recruiting would fall off if he did come to Notre Dame. Freeman is the guy. Go our spray time. I don't know that he's a weirdo. I don't. I don't know about him. I don't know a lot about him in that regard. I don't know that he's a weirdo. I'd be curious to hear kind of why you think that. But to to you, I, I don't think he's a, a, a. I think he's a solid coach. That's a Wisconsin or below type of guy. That's what I think. I think he'd have been better off staying in Cincinnati. To be honest with you if they were willing to pay him, but Wisconsin's a good job. And you know, they were, they were trending down. Like I'm not a big Luke fickle fan, but let's not also forget that Wisconsin was trending down when he took over. So it's not like he took over an 11 and two team. And all of a sudden in his first year, they fall off to, you know, seven and six or whatever it was this year. Were they seven and six or were they six? And I think they were seven and six, right? Yeah. They went seven and six this year. Had some bad losses this year. You know, as well, not only being seven and six, but, you know, you lose to Washington State, you lose at home to Iowa, you lose at Indiana, you lose at home to Northwestern. Like, really? You know, no really impressive wins. I mean, what was their best win this year? Minnesota on the road, Nebraska in overtime. 
Illinois on the road. Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers is probably your bi- biggest win. I mean, no big wins, but at the same time, he inherited a team that was kind of already trending down. So I want to be fair to him as well, but I just think that's who he is. Uh, I don't know about him being a weirdo. I, I hadn't heard anything like that, but yeah. Uh, Tyler Evans with a super chat. How do you think Bama fans are feeling today? I mean, one of the funniest things last night is, you know, um, you had this like candlelight vigil going on and people were bringing like oatmeal cookies, which he loves and Cokes, which he, he loves apparently. And they were putting them in, on his statue and they were like flowers and candles and like people were gathering and all these people, like all these sports writers are tweeting like the dude's not dead. Like Bama fans are acting like he died. It's crazy. And they're like in mourning today. Uh, so that's kind of how they're feeling today. And and the other thing too is there's probably a lot of angst about who's the replacement going to be. And I, I would be shocked if they're excited about Mike Norvell. And I think Mike Norvell's a good coach, but he just doesn't have that same, you know, cachet. But also, if Mike Norvell's your coach, it means you got turned down by Dan Lanning and and Steve Sarkeesian. That would that would have them a little concerned. But I think it depends on who they hire. If they hire Sark, I think you'll see Bama fans pretty excited. Like, hey, the torch has been passed. Nick Saban retired. He picked the successor. That guy had his team in the playoff last year. Yeah, he had he had Texas back. You know, he beat the legend in the last time. That, I mean, he's, it's true. Sark came to Tuscaloosa and beat Saban in Saban's last year. So I think that would make them a little bit more happy. But oh, look, they're in mourning. I mean, you you watch the clip of uh, was it Mike Muscon- Matt Muscana from LSU? He's a very professional guy and very calm. And then he finds out the Saban. He lost it, man. It was hilarious. He's screaming, running around the studio. I was, I was dying laughing. It's just like, it's like the ding dong, the wicked witch is dead kind of thing, you know? And it's just like, because they know what's happening right now. They know the seismic shift that's about to happen right now. I just, I don't think Alabama's going to go from what they are now to like what they were under Mike DeBose and, you know, Mike Shula and guys like that. They're still going to be a pretty good program if they make the right hire. I just don't know Mike, if Mike Norvell's that guy. But Sark would be a great hire for me if they're able to make get that done. Michael S. Alabama surprises last year. You don't see them doing it again this year. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I, I. I think they were. Honestly, I don't think they should have been in the playoff this year. I don't. Florida State should have been in, and I, I don't care. Their quarterback, you know, got injured. And he was well. Look what happened to them in the Orange Bowl. That, the, the huge portion of their team didn't even play. The, those Keon Coleman would have played. Johnny Wilson would have played. J- Jared Verse would have played. Uh, Trey Benson would have played. They all would have played in the playoff game. All those guys that left and didn't play against against um, Georgia all would have played against Michigan. Does Michigan still win? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. It would have been a good game. I probably would have bet on Michigan since they didn't have Jordan Travis. I don't think Tate Rodemaker would have been able to make enough plays against Michigan, but they still deserve to be in because guess what? Jalen Milrow didn't make a whole lot of plays against Michigan either. And, and you know, but – um they weren't a great team this year. They benefited from the fact that it was a very down year in college football, which we said at the beginning of the year it was going to be. So, no, I mean, but look, it's hard for me to say that definitively, Michael, because I don't know who their new head coach is going to be. If Sark's their new head coach, we could see something because he'll have a new quarterback. He'll he'll you'll probably see Dylan Lonergan be their co- quarterback next year, or you'll see a kid transfer in. That'll probably what happen. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. T-Guns. See what T-Guns has got. Will Freeman do a cool little The Shamrocks Are Greener with more gold at Notre Dame video? I doubt it, but I mean, I'd still do it. I'd still play. I would play it up just for a recruiting tool. Uh, but no, his circumstance is a lot different than Dan Lanning's. Andrew Gilmore says Dabo really needs to change. Can you ima- Could you imagine if Clemson had signed Keon Coleman instead of Florida State? It could have changed their entire season. I don't get it. I don't know that it would have changed their entire season. They had a lot of issues. And, um, you know, maybe they win one more game. I don't know that it would have changed things a whole a whole bunch. I mean, Clemson was still already way better. I mean, Florida State was already way better than Clemson, and Keon just made it even better. I, I don't know that it would have changed it a whole whole bunch. But I, mean, I understand why he's doing it. I mean, guys, Dabo, if he starts making the right – Dabo's problem is not that he's not doing enough with NIL. It's not that he's not – you know, going to the portal. That's not Dabo's problem. Dabo's problem is he's made some not very good coaching hires. And and the evaluation that they've done recruiting-wise, because he doesn't have as good of a coaching staff, has not been as good. If Dabo recorrects and makes some good coaching hires, let Garrett Riley do his thing, make sure you're bringing in some strong recruiters, make sure you're bringing some guys that can really coach and recruit, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll still get back to recruiting big-time players and finding those sleeper kids like Isaiah Simmons and others, and, and they'll be fine. And, yeah, I mean, should he at least consider the portal for, you know, I mean, at the very least he should do what Notre Dame's doing, which is find a graduate player to kind of plug a hole for a year. I mean, there's no reason not to do that, but I don't think that's Dabo's problem. I think his problem has been coaching hires, not his unwillingness to embrace other things. So, yeah. And then there was another question about the video from Hold My Shalala and some other folks. But, yeah, it, it, his circumstance is way different. Dan Lanning was legitimately pursued for the job. Um, You know, yeah. Uh, Michael S. Super Chat, Bama got our OC last year. Why not our head coach this year? Michael, I would encourage you to go listen to the first 45 minutes of the show, uh, and you'll have your answer. I'm not trying to be flippant, but literally the first 45 minutes of the show was direct was dictated towards that i'm not going to repeat it here i would encourage you to just hit the rewind button go back to the beginning and i spent 45 minutes talking about why Bama's not going to hire notre dame's head coach this year so yeah not not happening uh link asks realistically what are the odds that notre dame reaches out to keon keely and caleb downs i would imagine that whatever legal means that are there that they'll they'll explore those i'm certainly would do that i don't know that it would have any impact but i would I would. If I was Notre Dame, you know, hey, you know Keon, let him know we'd love to have him. You know Caleb, let him know we'd love to have him. You know, whatever legal means there are, if it's talking to the high school coach or whatever the case may be, let him know. Like, hey, there's a spot here for you, buddy. Love to have you. And yeah, I, I would. Will it matter? Doubt it. 
But again, I, I can't really know until we know who the new head coach is. If they, if, like if they went out and somehow like promoted, like if they went and hired some like, I don't know, former, you know, Charles Huff from Marshall. Like that's going to that's gonna be a problem because as much as I like the job that Charles Huff is doing at Marshall, he's not ready for Bama yet. You know what I mean? If they went out and hired, I'm trying to think of something like, Jim McElwain from Central from West Central Michigan or whatever, some former Bama assistant who's just like, what, that guy? Then, yeah, you'd see kids leave. But if they hire Steve Sarkeesian, nobody's going anywhere, I don't think. Uh, no way. I just don't see it. Kids will stay. And the kids that leave will be kids that are like, yeah, I'm bringing in this guy, so you may want to bounce. It just depends on who they hire. And I think most of these kids are going to wait to see who they replace them with before they – make any decisions would be my guess of the kids that have signed and are already at school. I mean, not, not the, not the recruits as much, but the kids that are already on the team. Andrew Gilmore asked, does Mike Norvell have the recruiting chops to get the Bama job? I don't think so, but you know, there's been guys who don't recruit well that have gotten big jobs before. I mean, look, you can say whatever you want about his recruiting chops, but the guy just went 13 and no the regular season and was showed that he can, he can recruit the portal for sure. Can he recruit at the high school level as well? I, I don't know. We'll see. If Sark goes to Bama, would that break the portal? I I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we we anticipate these tidal waves of things that happen after a coach leaves that 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 rarely happen. I mean, it happened a little bit with USC and Oklahoma. That's because of you know Lincoln Riley was a unique situation because he didn't sell Oklahoma when he recruited. He sold himself. So of course, kids are going to leave. I, I don't know that Sark is that way. So will some will we see some kids leave Texas to follow Sark? Yeah, we will. Will we see some kids that sign with Texas maybe sign with 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 uh, Alabama now? Sure. Will we see some kids from Bama leave? Sure. But I, I don't know that it'll come anywhere close to to what you're referring to. But uh, it would certainly make for an interesting offseason if it did. That's for sure. Ninety nine problems with BK eight one. If you're Mark Marcus Freeman, you have it pretty sweet in their name. Let's be real. You have the support with getting whatever coach you want nil. Strength facilities, and et cetera. I, I agree with you. Hold My Shalala says, do you think that happens if Notre Dame wins this year? I personally think it's too soon and too uh, much coming in for him to leave right now. Again, about Marcus Freeman again. I spent a lot of the show talking about that. I just don't see him leaving. Andrew Gilmore, do you think Notre Dame's admin is feeling any pressure to extend Freeman before next season? I, I do not. Lucky Ducks, 512. Do you think Notre Dame's degree holds helps Notre Dame keep kids out of the portal more so than other top programs? Absolutely. That's not even a debate. That's not even me guessing. That's just, I mean, God, you talk to players, you talk to parents, you talk to coaches. I mean, all of that will tell you. you just That's a no-brainer. Absolutely. Absolutely that has a big role. Now, that doesn't mean every kid's going to stay, and especially for younger players like freshmen, won't care as much about that because they're so far away. But I would be shocked if you start to see Notre Dame's portal losses of guys that are playing or closer to their degrees go way up. What you saw from Notre Dame this year was freshmen and graduates going to the portal. Uh, let me let me look up at let me look at Notre Dame's actual num- like because I have we have this on the message board. We actually have. Uh, a, a breakdown of who's leaving and who's coming. So let me just look at the portal comings and goings. So Chris Tyree, graduate, Braylon James, true freshman, Rico Flores, true freshman, Zeke Carell, graduate, Michael Carmody, graduate, Nana, graduate, Aiden Kiana, Anna, graduate, Ramon Henderson, graduate, 
Antonio Carter graduate. Ryan Barnes, not a graduate, but his situation was different. And yet Holden Stace was a sophomore and, and you had uh, Braylon and Tobias Merriweather. You had a couple kids in there. Those situations were different as well. Holden Stace was kind of getting buried on the depth chart. Tobias had his issues with the coach. And then Ryan Barnes had some other things that resulted in the reason why he is um, no longer at Notre Dame. So actually, I need to update the arrivals because I do not have Rod Hurd on there. I just realized I did not do that. So give me one second here, folks. I'm going to update that on the board and uh, we'll be caught up. So Notre Dame has had 13 portal departures and eight portal arrivals. They're going to need at least five more portal departures to get down to 85 between now and the end of the season. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how that how that plays out. Sloppy Joe, what type of head coach would you rather have? Great X's and O's, but just very good at recruiting or a great recruiter, but just very good at X's and O's. A great recruiter that's just good at X's and O's. Like that is much, much to me. Uh, if you've got a, a great X's and O's guy and just good at recruiting or very good, you're going to be pretty darn good. I still feel like if you're if you're very good at X's and O's, but great at recruiting, you're going to be better than a guy who's very good at recruiting and great at X's and O's. I think you see that all the time. So, yeah, give me the more talented team with still good coaching. Now, if you were to say, give me a guy who's a, a, a great X's and O's guy and a great motivator and developer, but a mediocre recruiter over a guy who's a great recruiter, but a mediocre developer and a mediocre X's and O's guys. Give me the great developer next as an O's guy. Who's a mediocre recruiter, because honestly your coaching is going to then get more kids to want to come to be developed there. You know, a, a guy like that's also going to be really good at finding sleepers. Look at Kirk Ferentz, right? So, I would take that, but if if you're very good at both, then I still feel like you're still better off um, going with the very good X's and O's guy who's a great recruiter. But if it's great and very good, it's you're good either way. It's just I'm going to go with the, the latter on that one. Andre Tonsil, thank you, Andre, says, which position groups, uh, position or position groups, need to be the dog this spring? Doesn't matter if it's offensive, defensive, or both. You know, it's funny, Andre, Ryan and I are talking about kind of our topics for upcoming weeks, and, and this is going to be part of our topic of conversation. But for me, you know, look, it's offensive line and defensive line. That that That's just – that's an easy one for me. If we're going to take groups, Notre Dame needs – we talked about this yesterday, Andre, in the show yesterday. Notre Dame's got to be really, really, really good on both lines. They were really, really good on the defensive line but can get better. They were not good on the offensive line. Not not good, nearly good enough on the offensive line. So the, those two groups need to be dogs. And if you want to pick one on each side of the ball, it's lines, absolutely lines. Nine and nine problems. BK one pushing back a little bit. No impact with Keon. Even I thought Saban was a big reason he chose Alabama. Saban, the ability of Alabama to produce NFL players is why. What I'm saying to you is, the Saban leaving is not going to create some mass exodus to the portal. It's I just don't think that it will. What's going to do that is if the replacement's not a big-time coach. Like, listen, you look at – if Steve Sarkeesian comes, right? I mean, look what Texas did this year. They were a playoff team. They, they've had – you know, they they had a D-tackle that won the, the Outland Trophy and all these other kind of things. Like, that. that's not going to oh, – I'm leaving. I'm out of here. You know, if Kalen DeBoer did, maybe. Even though he had a ton of success, he's just not the name that Sark is. Could Mike Norvell result in that? Maybe. Um I, you know, I'm just telling you, like, 
you're not going to see this mass exodus of players leaving the program until they know who the coach is going to be. And I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I wish, I wish Keon Keeley was reaching out to Notre Dame coaches today. I wish Caleb Downs was reaching out to Notre Dame coaches today. I just don't see it. Now, could it happen when the new coach is named? Sure. But look, I promise you that one of the conversations Nick Saban had with the players was guys, don't anybody do this. Just give us two to three days. We, we know who we want to get. Cause I think this is going to happen pretty quickly. I think they know exactly the line of succession that they want. And as they get turned down, they're just going to go to the next guy. If this drags on more than two, three days, it means they got turned down by all their top candidates. And then that could maybe, that could maybe happen. But like if Steve Sarkeesian's the coach, I don't think it has much of an impact. They'll lose some guys most likely, but I don't think it, it I don't think it changes a whole lot. I really don't. Uh, PK asked, theoretically, if Keon Keeley's interested in transferring Notre Dame, would this be a next semester potential switch or next year switch? I mean, it, it could happen now. I don't believe Notre Dame has started the semester as long as they could get Keon through the admissions department quick enough, which you know is one of the things Marcus Freeman has said that they've done. And as long as he was going to class and doing what he needed to do, I mean, if Keon was getting like C's and D's in all his classes, they're probably not going to be able to get him in. But as long as he was doing okay his first two semesters, they'll probably be able to get him in. Uh, pretty quickly and he could come this semester theoretically if he was interested at the very least he could you know hey look your grades aren't good enough if this is where you want to be this semester you need to do this this and this and then we'll take you in the summer uh, you know I certainly can see that but uh, don't believe the Notre Dame semester has started so I do believe you'd be able to get Keon Keeley to uh, Notre Dame if he was interested I, I just don't know that he is to be honest with you all right let's get to a couple see if we got any more questions here uh, Irish fan 15 coach. If you were Greg Byrne, who would you go after to be the next head coach? I, I think the guy that I think that they want right now that they're going after from what I've heard is Steve Sarkeesian. That would be my choice. I think he's a dynamic offensive mind. He won a championship as an offense coordinator at Bama. He knows the boosters. He was very well liked. He's shown that he's a dogged recruiter. I mean, Texas has landed two really good back-to-back recruiting classes, including beating Bama for several players. You know, he 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 answered a lot of questions you have about can he be a good game day coach? I mean, he said, well, Steve Sarkeesian's never accomplished anything in coaching. That was true prior to this year. He won the Big 12. He went 12-1 and one, or 12-2. and two. He beat Bama at Bama. You know, he showed a lot this year. Now, can he do it sustained? I mean, no, of course we don't know if he can do it from a sustained standpoint. We've never seen him do it. But he answered a lot of questions this year, in my opinion. And just the, the fit – the name recognition, the recruiting chops, the fact that he went into Tuscaloosa and beat them this past year. Uh, there's just a lot of reasons why I think that would make the most sense. I think Sark would be a, a as good of a hire as you can get. You know, and, and one of the questions I had next is like, Brian Berkshire, what's your take on being the coach who follows a legend? I never want to be that guy. Like, I think Urban Meyer did it perfectly. Urban Meyer did not replace Steve Spurrier. He replaced Ron Zook, who replaced Steve Spurrier. He didn't replace Jim Tressel. He replaced Luke Fickle, who served as an interim the year before Luke, Luke uh, J- the year after Jim Tressel got left out. So he was taking over a program that was pretty bad the year before he took over because because Tressel was out. You you just don't want to be that guy, in my opinion. And uh, so if you're Bama and you're able to get a guy like Sarkeesian to follow Saban, that's a home run, in my opinion, absolute home run. DBZ. Can Don Schuler be a great tandem with Watts next year? Yeah, I think she's got a chance. I I, I think what you're probably going to see early, uh, to be honest with you, is you're probably going to see 
you know, Rod Hurd have a chance to kind of be that guy early on. And, you know, he'll he'll probably have a chance to come in and compete. I think Rod Hurd is probably the going to be the, the, the early leader in the clubhouse because he's experienced and all this kind of stuff. But I think Adon will get every chance to play. But here's the thing, uh, DBZ, is he doesn't have to be a starter to be an impact player for Notre Dame next year. Because as I, as I said yesterday, when we were breaking down Rod Hurd, like the number three safety at the very least, three safeties are going to play a ton of football this year. And, and I'll give you the snap breakdown this season for Notre Dame. Just give me one second to pull this up. This is according to Pro Football Focus, who does snaps for the team. So if you look at the uh, you know, this season at the safety position, for example, uh, Xavier Watts played 708 snaps. DJ Brown played 595 snaps. And Ramon Henderson played 304 snaps at safety. So you had three guys that played a lot. If you go to 2022, you had 505 snaps from DJ Brown, 431 from Brandon Joseph, 366 from Xavier Watts, 319 from Ramon Henderson, and 304 from Houston Griffith. They had a lot more safeties that were in position to play the year before, so they played them all. They're going to play at least three safeties a bunch. And when you look at the third safety this year, Ramon Henderson, even though he was the third safety and played, let's see, the number two safety, DJ Brown, was 595. He played 291 fewer snaps than the starting safety. He still was 13th on the entire defense in total snaps and was 51 above the next guy. So he still played a ton of football. Uh, Don Schuler, if he's the number three safety next year, just the number three is going to play a ton of football next season. And that's he's got to keep that in mind. He's got to remember that. And so if he is able to stay focused, then I think he'll have a chance to go out there and, and be successful and be a key part of that. And if he really breaks out, then he'll be the number two and Rod Hurd will be the number three. And now you're even better, in my opinion. Last question from Stephen Goodson. What about Coach Kalen DeBoer to Alabama? Again, I don't know if Kalen DeBoer is a phenomenal football coach. He proved that at Washington. He proved that at at um, at Fresno. He proved that as the OC at Indiana. He proved that at Sioux Falls. I, you know, like look, you know, Brian Kelly always gets this credit for things he did at at, at Grand Valley State, and I, I I mean that's fine. I. I I've told you that's when I started studying Brian Kelly as a football coach. I think he did a phenomenal job and talk about all his championships, but let's not forget that Kalen DeBoer coached for five years, at the NIA level and won three national titles in four years. And the year that he didn't win the national championship uh, was a year that he lost in the national championship game, 17 to nine. So you're talking about a guy that as a head coach over a four year period, I mean, this is just kind of nuts so let me just add this up real quick. In a four-year period at Sioux Falls, which is NAI school, Kalen DeBoer led his team to a 56-1 and record. In five years, because his first year, they uh, finished fourth and went to the semifinals. And his entire career went 67-3. and He takes over Fresno. His first year is the COVID year. They go 3-3. Three and three. The next year, he goes 9-3. and three. Takes over a Washington team that went 4-8. And in his two years ago, 11 and 2 and 14 and 1. The guy can flat out coach. The question that I would have would he be a dynamic enough personality? And would he be a dynamic enough recruiter to be at Bama? That's a question mark. That's a quite that's a legitimate question mark. But to your point that somebody else mentioned, Kalen DeBoer 
has a 37 and nine record as a division one head coach, 37 and nine, his overall coaching record as a head coach, he's 104 and 12 with three national titles, two national. He's been a head coach y'all for nine years, nine years in those nine years. He's won three national championships and lost in the national title game two other times. Guy's a phenomenal coach, phenomenal coach. But to win at Bama, you've got to have the kind of dynamic personality and the recruiting chops to be successful there. Does he have that? I don't know enough about him to know that. But can the guy flat out coach? Heck yes. There's no doubt. Would he win at Bama? How can I say no? He's literally won everywhere he's been. Again, nine years as a head coach, three national titles, two other national title game appearances, a semifinal appearance, and then in another year, they went eighth. He's He's been a coach eight years where they played a full season. His worst year as a head coach in a full season, so take the COVID year out, is nine and three. That's his worst year as a head coach. And, you know, a guy's a heck of a coach. So, I look, I'll say this. I'm not betting against Kalen DeBoer to win anywhere. I will tell you what my concerns would be at a place like Bama or Texas if he were to replace Sark at Texas would be, can he recruit at an elite level? That would be a different question mark. But if he can recruit at all or hire people that can recruit, good Lord, he's going to win because the guy is a tremendous football coach. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So that's it, folks. So that's going to wrap up today's show with a little quick mailbag. Thank you all so much for your questions today. I appreciate y'all very, 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 very much. Uh, I had fun today. Hope you guys had fun today. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. I really, really do. Uh, before you go, sign up for the message boards at boards at ourshbreakdown.com. You will not regret it. I promise you, you will not regret that. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. I got to run because I'm going make, going and make my wife and her friend who's coming over tonight to hang out with her. I'm going to make them dinner tonight. And so I'm going to be a good husband. I'm making steak and uh, Brussels sprouts. And I'm going to cut up some potatoes in little circles. And I'm going to put those in the air fryer and make those nice and crispy. So I'm going to be uh, getting lots of props tonight from my wife uh, for being a good husband. And, uh, and I enjoy cooking as well. So I'm going to go chill for a little bit, get that taken care of. And I'm going to come back down and get to work because we have a lot of stuff going on, man. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, Ryan will be back with you guys tomorrow. He's going to have a recruiting show tomorrow. He's going to have an interview with Christopher Burgess on there. He's going to have an interview with Marco Jones on there. And then he's going to talk about the latest around Notre Dame, uh, I don't think that they are done picking up commitments in the month of January. I think we'll probably see some more, you know, who those are going to be. We shall see. So for Brian, the rest of the IB team, we thank you all so very much for being with us. Uh, we love you all very much. We have a great, great community hours breakdown and uh, uh, just can't wait to be with you all again. We might do a show, might do a show this weekend, but Vince is going out of town. So I'm not sure if we'll be able to, but we are going to start doing some more weekend shows here coming up as well. So we have a lot planned for you guys. A lot of fun stuff planned, and I look forward to you seeing uh, seeing, and I look forward to doing it. So have a great week. Rest of your week, everybody. IB Nation Sports Talk tonight at 6. Recruiting show is going to be tomorrow at 1 with Ryan. And I'll talk to you guys again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.